Welcome to the Life Church STL podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message encourages and inspires you. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. Are you all ready for the word? All right. Here's what I want to do. Um, you know, every Christian wants to live a full, robust Christian life. I mean, it's just a fact. Whether they are, each person is, or whether they're not, they want to live a full, robust Christian life. One, in other words, that functions in all the beauties and the equipment and the empowerment that comes with the Christian life. Not all Christians do, but they want to. And the thing is, is that there's only a few spiritual disciplines that are necessary for you to have that kind of life. And of course, the two most prominent are, number one, prayer, right? In other words, the spiritual discipline of having a, a vital, uh, effective prayer life. Number two would be the Word of God, uh, having skill in handling the Bible so that you, God can speak to you out of the Bible. That's, you say, skill, what do you mean? You know, it's not just reading kind of casually. Uh, you can read the whole Bible through and really not have God speak to you out of His Word. So developing that skill, that spiritual skill, is extremely important. We know those two things, but now listen to this. There's a third uh, spiritual discipline that we don't really think about as often, and so many Christians struggle with it, uh, even though it's so necessary for a healthy Christian life. You know what it is? It's this. It's learning how to hear the voice of God. To hear the voice of God. Now, you know, people think that some, I have people after passing so many years, I've had a number of people come to me and say something like this. Pastor Rick, you know, you say, I hear you say sometimes, well, the Lord, you know, spoke this to me, or I believe I heard the Lord say such and such. And, I, and they said to me, they said, Pastor Rick, God never speaks to me like that. God never talks to me like that. And you know what I say, would say to them? I would say, yes, he is. God is talking to you all the time. You're either, number one, not listening, or number two, more likely, you're trying to listen, but you haven't learned how to recognize what the voice of God sounds like or what it feels like. And so you don't pick up on what God's saying when God speaks to you. Now, there are parts of Christianity, parts of the church at large, who don't even believe that God speaks to us today. But I won't get into all that because it's, the, the evidence is so obvious. You can't, even, you can't even read the Word of God, your Bible, and get revelation out of it. In other words, have the thing come alive. You can't have that happen without hearing the voice of God. The Holy Spirit in you has to take those words on the page in the book and bring them alive, and that's God speaking to you. So anyway, here's the deal. 
everything God does, he does through speaking. He does through talking to us. And we must be able to be skilled in discerning the voice of God. And that's what my plan is for you today. Are you all ready? So here's what I want to do. I want to, first of all, talk to you about but why is it that God does everything through speaking, through his word? It's basically because God is a speaking God. Let me run through this real quick. Are you ready? Put your thinking caps on. Number one is this. If you go to Genesis 1, when everything was created, it says nine times there, and God said. So the primary vehicle instrument that's used in bringing everything into existence is God speaks. And when God speaks, everything comes into being. So his word is that instrument that brings everything forth. He's a speaking God. If you go to Genesis 1, in Genesis 1.1, here's what it says. One of my favorite passages in the Bible. In the beginning was the word, and the word, think of it, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. What? Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Listen to this. I've read that phrase, the word was God. What in the world does that mean? I've pondered that for years and can't wrap my brain around. The word was God. Of course, it's talking about the second person of the Trinity, right? You know, the word. There's the Father, the Spirit, and the word. But there's some, I haven't, I can't sound the bottom of it, but there's something there about, you've got three persons of the Trinity. There's the Father, we understand that. There's the Spirit, you know, the, that is the empowering force that, that brings things to pass. But then the second person of the Trinity is Word. And he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So the very essence of God and how God carries out his business is evidently through word. Nothing happens without God speaking. And it goes on to say, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, all things were, or he was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by him, and without him nothing was made that was made. And then he goes on, you go on down to verse 14, in verse 14 of John 1, it says this. He says, do you have these one? Put it, there you go. It says this, and the word, the word became flesh. That's Jesus. And dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the word, second person of the Trinity, became flesh flesh, that's Jesus, and walked among us. So now the Word is clothed in flesh, and He walks among us, and that Word clothed in flesh reveals to us the glory of God. Now listen to this. You say, well, what in the world does that mean? Here's what it means. That when the Word became flesh, that was Jesus. So when Jesus walked throughout this earth, everything Jesus said and everything he did 
It was a manifestation of God speaking to us. Every time he healed someone or delivered someone or calmed a storm or multiplied a boy's lunch, that was God's speaking to It was the word embodied in flesh. God speaking. So everything about Jesus' life was the word of God speaking to us. I'm trying to get you to see that everything that God does is the it's he does it by speaking. You go on to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, where it says this. It says, and all things God upholds or sustains all things by his word. So now that's an interesting passage, isn't it? He sustains all things by the word of his power. So he all things not only came into existence by God speaking. But now here we have all things are being sustained by God speaking. Are y'all still with me now, huh? God speaking. And so what that means basically is something like this. That if you take light, God spoke in the beginning, let there be light. And light be- issued forth and began to travel 186,000 miles a second. And scientists tell us that today the universe is still expanding at the speed of light. So light is still traveling. But folks, God sustains everything. He started with his word. He sustains it by his word. And so actually, everything, like even light traveling, that's God, it's riding upon God's word. And God, if God would ever decide to withdraw that word, light would go out and everything would cease to exist. Now, the thing is, is it's beautiful. You know, scientists will tell you, they tell you that everything they study, when they study the universe, they say it's all mathematics. All they're doing is they're studying mathematics. It's just a language of letters and numbers. And so, I mean, I'm putting, I don't know if this means anything to you, this stuff, but it just blows my mind. The whole universe basically is language. It's, it's letters and numbers, equations that runs everything in the universe. Why is it mathematic? Why is it letters and numbers that puts everything together in the universe? You want to know why? It's because it all came into being by God speaking. And it's, uh, it's, uh, it becomes obvious, of course, it would be language that keeps the universe going because that language is God speaking. And this God speaking is what sustains all the universe. But not only that, one last thing, listen to this. Let's talk about you. You are about 30 trillion cells. Everything about you is made up of about 30, well, actually, for men, it's 36 trillion cells, and for women, it's 28 trillion cells. Now, I I don't know why the difference, there's got to be a message in there somewhere, I just don't know what it is yet. But let's just say you're about 30 trillion cells, right? And that defines everything about you, the color of your eyes, everything, your, your organs, all this stuff. In every one of those 30 trillion cells is a string of what's called what? DNA 
And in every cell is that string of DNA. You know what that DNA is? That string of DNA is a string of 64 three-letter words. Every one of your 30 trillion cells has a string of 64 three-letter words. And those 64 three-letter words in every cell runs everything about you. And they tell us that, that those 64 three-letter words are communicating together all the time. You've got a paragraph in every cell that's, that's communicating, and that's why you exist. And, and, and it's so sophisticated that it, whenever you cut yourself, let's say, that that's still cells around that cut, those cells have a board meeting, and they decide to reorient themselves to change from just normal sustaining to be able to go into trauma mode and fix what's wrong with you. Now, all your 30 trillion cells are doing that all of the time. So the only thing that sustains you, you are sustained constantly by these 30 trillion paragraphs, in other words, words, 64 three-letter words, constantly talking, you are a word being. And that's what sustains you. Now, I thought about all this, and I thought, well, that's interesting. But you know what? You are not flesh. You are not who you are, who you are in your body. Your body came from this earth, from dust, and the Bible says it's going to go back to earth because it belongs to earth. It came from earth. All that DNA stuff that runs you, it's all, all going to go back into the earth. But the real you, your spiritual man, did not come from earth. It came from heaven, is going back to heaven. So your DNA has nothing to do with running the real you, your spiritual man. But if everything else in the world is run by God speaking then also your spiritual man is run by God speaking. But it's not run by, like, second causes, DNA. It, God, by first cause, God speaks directly to you through his word and in your spirit. And so I basically said all that stuff to say there's no possible way that you can maintain a healthy, beautiful spiritual life with God without building it upon the Word of God, which is the Bible, but more directly, God speaking to you in your spirit because you can't even get revelation out of the Bible unless God speaks to you in your spirit. So to me, one of the most important things for us is to learn I better learn how to recognize the voice of God. Are you with me? Now, we're going to spend the rest of the message talking about that. How do you do that? I want you to look with me in John chapter 10. In John chapter 10, this is interesting. He says this in verse 1. Now, think closely with me. I meditate on every phrase as we read this. Jesus said, Moses, surely I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, 
but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Now, folks, this is powerful. Here's what's happening. Jesus is using a very familiar analogy, as he usually did, that these people, in first, these first century Jews, knew very well, and that was shepherding. And here's what Jesus was saying. Shepherds at that time, let's say in any given area, there would be a number of shepherds out in the field leading their flocks throughout the day. But in, in, at dusk time, the shepherds would bring their flocks into this one area where there was what was called a sheepfold. And the sheepfold was a huge area that was fenced completely around with a gate in the front that was called either the sheep gate or the door. And there was a doorkeeper who stood at the sheep gate or the door. And what would happen is this. The shepherds would come and bring their sheep and they would pay the doorkeeper so their sheep could go in and rest for the night while the shepherd went to his place of lodging and rested for the night. Are you with me now? Now what Jesus is talking about in the first part of this is about the thieves and robbers is this. Sometimes there would be shepherds that didn't want to pay. And so they would go around, somewhere around the back of the sheepfold to try to find a place where the fence had been trodden down so they could climb over and not have to pay. And Jesus said, these are called thieves and robbers. But what happened is this. In the morning after the shepherds had rested, they would come back to the sheep gate or sheepfold to get their sheep. Hang with me. This is beautiful. But let's say sometimes the other shepherds that weren't your shepherd came up to the sheep gate and called out. And when they called out, if it wasn't your shepherd, you would not respond at all. You'd have no, you would not follow them because you didn't recognize the voice of a strange shepherd. But then when your shepherd came to the gate, oh, come on, I'm trying, folks, I'm working hard. When your shepherd came to the gate, and he just called it, hey, the moment you heard his voice, you could have your back turned to him on the backside of the field, but you, when you heard that voice, your head perked up, you turn around, and you came running to follow that shepherd. Why? Because you recognized his voice. Why did you recognize his voice? Because you knew that voice. And that's one of the main keys, is that you cannot recognize the voice if you don't know the voice. How do you know a voice? What causes you to know a voice? The only way to do it is you have to spend a great deal of time 
for a long period of time listening to that voice, spending time with that person. It's like any voice, really. There are some of you in this place that, you know, I've never had the privilege of talking to. And if you called me on the phone and said, hey, Pastor Rick, yeah, you know who this is? No. I don't recognize your voice because I don't know it. We've never spent time with each other. There are some of you, if you would call me and say, hey, Pastor Rick, you know who this is? I would say, I can't quite put a finger on it, but it sounds familiar. Keep talking. Keep. And if I work hard and you keep talking, I may recognize your voice. Now, folks, just listen. We'll stop there a moment. I actually think that's where a lot of Christians struggle is right there. That's where they are, that they hear the voice of God sometimes, but it's like they have, God has to keep on speaking. Are you all with me now? But you know what? If my wife, Donna, if she calls me and says, hey, I say, yeah, babe, Donna. And let me tell you, I will follow her. I will obey her. I will submit to her. That's maybe overdoing it. But anyway, <laughs> because I recognize that voice. I could pick it out of a thousand because I've spent so much time with her listening to her. And you see, a lot of people, Christians, don't realize that. They just think that somehow it's some birthright. You automatically have this full-grown, mature ability to hear the voice of God. And it takes time, listening, discerning. Is this God telling me to do this in my life? Is this God telling me to go in this direction? What does God want in this situation? And you learn gradually through listening to God's voice. The other interesting thing he says here is about the strange voices. One of the problems that people have, Christians have, in being able to hear the voice of God is they're so filled with strange voices that they can't pick up on what God's saying. And why are they, why are they so filled with strange voices? Because they recognize and know those voices because they've spent so much time with them. And one of the things we have, probably we have today, we have so much noise, books and TV and movies and news and friends and all this, that we have so much noise that it becomes an obstruction. The strange voices make it difficult for us to hear the voice of God. And here's a major key, and that is this. You know where there's strange, those strange voices exist? They exist in your head. The greatest problem, I'm telling you, the greatest problem you will have in hearing the voice of God is your stinking head. My stinking head. It's your head because strange voices come to your head. The voice of God comes to your heart, to your gut, your spirit man. Are you with me now? And your head becomes an obstruction. Now listen to me. With the rest of this message, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to run through a little story. That it's, a, it's an amazing story, really, how years ago God took me through this short period of time with a number of supernatural experiences 
to help me to be able to discern the voice of God, to learn how to hear the voice of God. And here's what happened. You know, back, this would have been in 1979, and, uh, you know, I, had, I was pastoring this little church in South Carolina. God had given me an open vision where, where he showed me this church and he showed me everything about it. And he said, I want, you, I, I want you to go back to St. Louis and I want you to start this church. And that was the beginning of this church. So I had that vision, but the Lord said, go back to Bible college for a year. He wanted me, I knew it wanted me to do that. So anyway, now I'm in Bible college. I go through that year. It gets toward the end of the year. And these two, all of a sudden, these two pastors in that city came to me, pastors of very large churches, and each of them offered me a job as their associate pastor. And when they did, I had a problem. Because both of these jobs were very good. I mean, they were broad places of ministry, and they were good pay. My family would be well taken care of. You know, this vision God gave me now a year ago, I mean, there was no pay starting from nothing, and so now I had three ways to go when I was confused. I mean, and the day after day, the more I struggled with God, I don't know what to do, the more frustrated and depressed I became. Till finally, I went to one of these two pastors whom I've trusted very much, and I told him, his name was Bob Nichols, and I said, Pastor Bob, here's my problem. I laid it out to him, and here's what Bob said to me. It, it, it has affected me for uh, all these years since. He said, Rick, he said, here's the deal. First of all, he said, if you've got three ways to go, then one of them is God and two of them are not God. I thought, I'm glad I'm not paying for this. <laughs> he, he said, I said, yeah. He said, okay, one's God, two are not God. I said, yeah. He said, and the two that are not God are in your head. And the one that is God is in your heart or your spirit. He said, you've just got to figure out which one's in your heart and which ones are in your head. I said, yeah. He said, here's what you need to do. He said, I want you to get away kind of like alone, quiet with God, whatever it takes, a number of days. And you just begin to seek God, worship, prayer, getting in the Word, focusing on the thoughts of God, asking God to reveal His will to you. Listen, he said, but here's what you got to do. When you do, you go into that cocoon of seeking God. He said, shut your mind down. It didn't say it like that. Shut those reasonings, figuring it out. Shut all that down. He said, because here's the problem. He said, the two in your, he said, the, the one God is speaking to your spirit. When God speaks to you, it's, it can be described different ways, but it's like an illumination. The Bible calls it a light, a lamp that lights up your spirit. Mostly it's revealed like peace. It's manifested like peace in your soul. But your soul is illuminated. And he said, these two that are in your head, they create like an atmospheric disturbance. It's like the, that's called a cloud of confusion. You ever heard that? And this cloud of confusion from these other two in your head are blocking the illumination or the light in your spirit, the voice of God in your spirit. If you can ever get that cloud to break up, then you, all of a sudden the light will come shining through. 
And I mean, wow, I thought that makes sense. So I went away to go, I mean, not went away, but closed myself in, seek God. I was ready for about a week of this or whatever it took. Do you know by the end of the first day, boom, all of a sudden the cloud broke up and I, this vision came back alive to me and it was stronger than ever before. Isn't that amazing? It just simply by doing that. What I did is I shut down. Let me say it this way. When we talk about that, the mind, you know, I'm, I, when I, shutting down is the wrong idea because this is not some like mess, uh, Eastern meditation, you know, you know, emptying the mind, becoming a one with the universe. You empty your mind and the devil will be sure to fill it. Christian meditation is not emptying the mind. It's filling the mind with God's thoughts. And so basically what I did, I shut down all those pros and cons that I was writing down on paper. This is the pro, this is the con of each of these things. I quit trying to figure it out. Y'all getting that, folks? That in most of our decisions that we need to make and issues that come up in our life, one of the, really one of the greatest problems is, is we try to figure it out. We worry about it. We get fearful. We start reasoning about it. Our head is so engaged that we cannot hear the voice of God in our spirit. That cloud has to break up. Hallelujah. So everybody say this. My head is my biggest problem. Now, now look, I believe in using your head. Don't get me wrong. But it's not going to get you what God wants to speak to you. So here's what happened. From early 1979 to the middle of 1980, just a little over a year, God took me into this cocoon. It, it was just sovereign. That's all I can say. For a, a little over a year in this cocoon where he decided he wanted to teach me how to hear the voice of God. What's interesting about that, that period ended in, the, in June 1980 and we started this church June 22nd, 1980. So it means God, there was something God was wanting to prepare, teach me to prepare me for what God was going to do. So here's what happened. When I was preaching, or when I was pastoring at this little church in South Carolina in 79, I had this guy, this young guy, who was really powerful in the prophetic gift. You know, just like he would speak forth prophecies like in words of knowledge and words of wisdom and very powerful. And I had this guy come to our church to minister. And so throughout the day, we're traveling, you know, in my car, you know, we're in my car going different places. Every time we got in the car, immediately he wouldn't talk to me. He would just start going like this. He started worshiping you. Oh, Jesus, I love you. Oh, we glorify Jesus. He started praying, God, I pray for this. You know, he's just going on and on. I'm just sitting here, you know, driving. And so, you know, what do I do? What do I do? I mean, he's over here, oh, in heaven. So, you know what I do? I start, oh, Lord, I love you. I praise you. We worship. I start worshiping Jesus. And this young guy said to me, he stops. And he looks over at me. And he literally takes his finger and he pecks on my head. He said, get out of your head. I said, what? He said, stop praying and worshiping out of your head. He said, engage with your spirit, your spirit, man. And I thought, okay. So he went back to his thing and I'm over here. Oh, Lord. Now I got a little more emotional, you know. 
You can put in a little more emotion. Oh, Jesus. He stopped again. He turns over to me. He pecks me on the head. Get out of your head. I thought, I'm trying. I don't know what to do. He said, get out of your head. Now, what happened next? I mean, some of you may have a hard time believing this, but I'm telling you, this is just the way it happened. He said to me, he said, Rick, he said, I want to give you a spiritual exercise. He said, your, your, your problem is your head is so strong. Does anybody identify with this? Your head is so strong that everything God does or wants to do in and through you has to be filtered through your head or you're not going to do it. It has to make sense in your head. And I'm just going to tell you right now, building an ark, believing that God's going to flood the earth, just doesn't run through your head very well. So he said, I'm going to give you a spiritual exercise. He said, before you go to bed at night, and not just tonight, starting the night, every night after this, before you go to bed, he said, I want you to get out and I want you to begin to spend, spend time with God. Pray. Worship Him. And ask God to speak to you while you're asleep. Now, this is, I know it's kind of crazy. While you're asleep. I said, while I'm asleep? He said, yeah. He said, you know, God never sleeps or slumbers, right? He's awake. And when you sleep, we say you sleep, but actually your body is sleeping your mind is sleeping, your emotions are sleeping, but your spiritual man, the real you, it's going to go to be with Jesus whatever, the real you, your spiritual man never sleeps, that he needs no sleep. He said, so before you go to bed, he said, ask God to speak to you, speak to you, your spiritual man, while your head is asleep so your head doesn't obstruct. I thought, okay. So I did that night. Nothing happened. I did it the next night. Nothing happened. I went on like this for a little while, every night, and nothing happened. Oh, God, speak to me. God, I know you're awake. I'm the spirit bed awake. Speak to me. Nothing happened. After, I don't know, a number of nights, all of a sudden I wake up one morning, and Donna, she immediately, when I wake up, she says, I don't know what you were doing last night. I said, what? She says, in the middle of the night, she said, you were praying. I said, I was. She said, but you weren't just praying. She said, I mean, you were tearing somebody up. I said, I was. She said, yeah, you were like, no, you won't. I call you out. Devil, in the name of Jesus, you're not going to have them. You stop your activity with them. God's going to get them. You're not going to have. She said, you were just tearing it up. I said, okay, that's interesting, you know. And so I did that, and then after that night, with some frequency, not every night, but with some frequency, that began to happen. Until after a while, I had been, I went through this period where I was, God felt God wanted me to study the book of Job. And you know, that's an interesting book, right? And so I spent over a month studying, intently studying the whole book of Job, all 42 chapters. And I'm studying and studying, and I got good, some good things out of it, but I just felt like I really, that it was locked up. I wasn't getting what God wanted me to get out of it. And it frustrated me. 
So after a month of this, now I go to sleep, pray the same prayer, go to sleep, wake up the next morning, and I walk out of my bedroom into my office, which was in my house, and I go over to my desk, and there is my legal notepad that I laid there the night before empty, and when I look down at my legal notepad, I look at that first page, and it was filled with my handwriting. Now, this is weird. It was filled. I said, that's interesting. I looked at the next page. It was filled. The next page, it was filled. The next page, it was filled. I had 10 full legal pages of notes on the book of Job. And it was God unlocking different things in the book of Job for me while I was asleep. Now, that'll freak you out, won't it, huh? Now, you know, several things about that freaked me out. And that is, one was this. It amazed me. Now, think of it. God took my hand while I was asleep and wrote. And I thought, that's interesting. God doesn't have any better handwriting than I do. But here was what was interesting. It just blew me away. And, oh, my goodness. So I started preaching on the book of Job. All this stuff I got while I was asleep. Now, the interesting thing is, is this. It's like you don't all of a sudden start to, oh, now I've got a plan. I'm just going to have God just speak to me, whatever wants to speak to me while I'm asleep. And it doesn't work that way, obviously. God was teaching me a lesson. The thing is, is I had studied for over a month intently on the book of Job. And I fully believe if I hadn't done that, there would be no experience like I had on that night. But God began to teach me something about how to live life when I was awake. That if I can ever get to the place where I can just shut down all that reasonings of my mind and all those emotions and come like as a blank slate to God and let God write on my heart, then I will be able to hear the voice of God in a way that I wasn't before. Does that mean anything to some of you all today? So anyway, here's the deal. Listen to this. So I began to learn how to hear the voice of God. So I had this vision, right? God said, go back to school, college for one year. So in August 1979, Don and I were there in South Carolina, and we packed up everything we owned in this U-Haul truck. We took off for Tulsa, Oklahoma. I thought, you know, God wants to go back to Bible college. I know it's got to be rain, but that was the hot place at the time. And so I'm going to Tulsa, but on the way, I stopped by St. Louis because Donna was like almost nine months pregnant and so with our second son. And you know who that was? That's your pastor. And she was almost nine months pregnant, so I left her here in St. Louis, and I was going to go start school, get set up in the apartment, and then come back when she's ready to have Josh. So I did it, dropped her off, I went to school, Rama. I got there the first day, walked in. First of all, I went to, I, I rented an apartment, I got all of our stuff set up in the apartment, emptied out the U-Haul, took the U-Haul back. Now I go the next day to school. When I walked in the door, there was about 2,000 young people there on the first chapel of the school year. Everybody was worshiping God. They were so excited, hanging from the ceiling, praise, shouting, praising God. Everybody was excited but me. 
the moment I walked in the door, I felt like God left me. It's like my spirit felt dead. What in the world happened to me the moment I walked into the door of this school? And so I remember thinking, you know, you know what? No, no. I mean, I wanted to just run. I thought, no, I'm going to stick this out. Uh, this thing will wear off, this whole feeling. I'm, I'm just going to stick it out. And I tried and tried for several hours. And the longer I stayed there, the worse I felt. I felt like I wasn't even saved anymore. Does there anybody here know what it's like when you get out of the will of God? And it's such an important issue that the further you walk in that path, you feel absolutely miserable with yourself. Does anybody know that? That's where I was. So finally, I couldn't take anymore after several hours. I took off out of that place, and I ran down the street to a pay phone. That's right, young people, a, a pay phone. <laughs> and I walked down to this pay phone, and I called my wife in St. Louis, and I said, Donna, I said, God doesn't want us here in Tulsa. And you know what? All I can say is thank God for a wife that is totally submitted to God. It blew my mind. I mean, most spouses would say, what are you talking about? I'm here pregnant, ready, waddling. And you're over there and you say it's not God. No, my wife, you know what she said? She said, well, Rick, okay, where does he want us? And I said, I don't know, but I heard about this school in Dallas, Texas, that this church had just started. So a Bible college is being started out of a church. And I said, maybe that's where God wants us. I don't know. I'm going to see. I hung up the phone. I got in my car. This all happened the same day. I jumped in the car. I drove from Tulsa down to Dallas, which is a four-hour drive. And it was late in the afternoon. And I walked in there. Now, listen to this. This is a little bitty school, right? It just started. The church was really good size by this time. But I walked in, opened the door of that school, and I stepped foot inside the door. The school was out. It was, the building was empty. But I walked in. I stepped foot inside the door. Immediately when I did, all the heaviness lifted, and I immediately felt light and free illuminating my spirit. Woo! The Holy Spirit was all over me again. Wow. I thought, this is it. And at that moment, I looked to my left, and I saw some older gentleman coming toward me. And as he got toward me, he said, yes, son, can I help you? And I told him, I said, yeah, my name's Rick Sheldon. I told him my whole situation. I said, and God wants me here in this school. I said, this is where God wants me. I'm going to signed up for the school. And he said, well, he said, I'm the dean of the school and I'm sorry, but registration is closed. So he said, really, we have no room for anybody else. And you know what I said to him? I said, that's okay. Doesn't matter. God wants me here. I'm going to be in this school. I mean, I just knew it. He said, well, come see me tomorrow. Long story short, I got in the school it was not so much that the school was great. That was not the issue. Folks, can I tell you this? When God's trying to get to you, 
to get you to a place or a decision or a situation. It's not so much that even that the situation is great or the thing that's going to happen is great. It's just the fact that that's where he wants you. And you remember the story of Elijah where Elijah was fed by a widow woman in the drought and when that all ran dry, God speaks and says, go over here to the brook Cherith, you know, that was supposed to be dry too. He says, and I love this statement, and there I will feed you. And I'm telling you, it blew my mind that what God was saying, if you can ever get there, just to the place I want you, I will feed you no matter how impossible it seems. So anyway, I started the school every moment like was supernatural. It, it blew me away. Like I said, it wasn't so much the school itself. It's what God did while I was there. God gave me a supernatural. I was there shortly after I was there. I, I was attending the church. It was a Sunday morning. The place was packed. And I was sitting here worshiping, and the pastor would come in from the back of the church down the aisle. And I was worshiping, and I was kind of had my eyes half open, and I saw this pastor, the pastor. I'd never met him. He didn't know me. And I, he, he walked past me several steps, and he stopped. And he turns around, and he looks at me. And then he comes toward me, and he said to me, he said, you're a pastor, aren't you? I go, well, yeah. And I tried to tell him a story. He said, no, no, no. He said, God just spoke to me and told me, that we're supposed to have lunch together. I said, great. We had lunch together, and that year we become very good friends, and really what happened is I learned more from that pastor than I did from the school. God wanted me there. So now watch this. I was there for a couple of weeks, and after quite, still didn't know anybody in the church. Service is over now. I'm walking out, and I get to the back of the auditorium to the lobby and it was crowded and I see this little beautiful elderly woman looks at me and she comes up and she says hey she said you're a pastor aren't you I said yeah now I'd never met her she said yeah and she said you pastor pastor a church far off on the other side of the United States I go yeah she said, and you're married. I thought, that's easy. I got a ring on, yeah. And watch this. She said, and you've got two sons. Now, that blew me away because I just had my second son a week ago. And she said, you have two sons. And they weren't there with me at the time. I said, yeah. I said, how would you know that? She said, I'm an intercessor. She says, and that's my main ministry. And she says, a year ago, I was praying. And while I was praying and interceding, all of a sudden, I had a vision. And in this vision, I saw a man and his wife and their two sons. And the Lord says to me, this is the pastor and his family. And they passed her across the other side of the United States and said, I want you no, no, he said this. He says, and I want him in this school here. And I'm giving you the responsibility to pray for them and get him into this school. And don't you stop praying until you see them here. 
And I looked at her, and I immediately thought, I thought, you're the reason I could not stay in Tulsa. You're the reason I was so desperate when I was out of the will of God. And that woman, you know, another thing that blew me away is she said a year ago, God showed her me, my wife, and my two sons. And my wife wasn't even pregnant a year ago. God didn't show her the way things were. He showed her the way the things were to be when his will was accomplished. I mean, it blew me away that she knew I was going to have a boy before I even knew I was going to have a kid. It blows my mind what intercessors, you better listen to intercessors. I'm, I mean, these little old intercessors, you know, you may, they may seem like they're not very strong physically, but let me tell you something. The devil fears the, these people. He does. Like this one guy, a pastor friend of mine, he was struggling with something and he kept praying against it, praying against it, and he couldn't get over it. So he called this really powerful intercessor and he's talking to her and she said, okay, get ready. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray right now and I'm going to bind the enemy. And he said to her, and this is a pastor, right? He said to her, well, I've already bound the enemy. She goes, yeah, but the problem is you bound him with string. I'm going to bound him with chains. Now, that was a metaphor, you understand. One thing that taught me, and listen to this and I close, is that when I am trying my best to follow Jesus and listen to his voice, I'm never in this alone. That God has a plan for me, and he's kind of setting the game up for my success. I mean, if our heart's right with God, now you got to really be, you know, in your right place. We say, God, I'm trying. I mean, I'm moving in that direction. The best I'm falling. I'm, you know, messing up. But God, I'm going for it. This is my heart. You have no idea who God may be laying you on their heart today to get you to the place that God wants you to be. God has a plan for your life and all things are working together for good to those who love God and are called, called according to His purpose. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Would y'all get anything out of this, huh? Yeah. Stand to your feet. Thanks for listening today. We pray this message encourages you. If you have any questions or you'd like to learn more about us as a church, you can always visit us online by going to lifechurchstl.com.